That's my mission. As, as, as we are in church here, our mission is to get the truth out of what it will actually take to have salvation. Uh, today, uh, what's being preached a lot is, is, um, is that you can uh, just accept the Lord as your Savior, ask Him to forgive you, and you're good to go. And the Ben calls it getting your ticket stamped. Uh, but the scripture is explicit on what it takes. It takes a godly sorrow, uh, repentance, a turning from your sin, living in holiness, because no sin is going to make it into the kingdom of God. And uh, today, most preachers, most places you go will tell you that you can get saved in your sin, with your sin. Uh, you can continue with that sin, and you're going to make it to heaven. And that's a great deception in the land. So we, we address that head on, and uh, we stand for the truth of the gospel. So it, it, you're going to get encounters with that, with different people, and you want to be able to answer, them, answer according to the word of God. So if you have those questions or anything on your heart, please bring them forward. Colin, yeah? Yeah. Uh, did you have something to say, or are you just uh, let me see you pretty fast? Can't hear you. Turn your mic on, Glenn. Is it on the right side? I'm not sure. Try to turn it up, press it on, and see if it works. There you are. Yeah, now we can hear you. Give me that volume thing right there. I don't know. Where's it? Who has the oh, it's, been, it's been pretty serious. There's been lots of life and uh, massive lots of property here. For sure. Uh, Could you take the HDMI and so put it like back in? Jets flying over and helicopters and yeah, the, the black hear, um, emergency sirens all night on Friday nights. And um, the funny yeah, thing was, you know, only a couple of days back. before this happened. It was right next to me. Can you hear us? 
Under A and M, yes. Okay. Yeah. So I, I, I paid to speed up my internet, so, I, so hopefully that will help. <laughs> All right, anybody else have something on their heart? Okay, we, we, um, we talked last week. Uh, did you have something, sister, before I, I go on? Did you have something on your heart? I just want to talk about sin. Okay, what did you want to talk, what did you want to talk about sin? Everything. Okay, like, okay, what sin is? <laughs> yeah. Okay, we'll start with that. Um, like what I read in 1 Corinthians and in what I've heard in the churches. It's, it's go, go to 1 John chapter 3. She said that she, if you haven't heard, she says she wants to talk about what sin is. So I've referred to chapter 3 of 1 John um, and verse 4. Pass it on, hand me a Bible, please. What verse? 1 John chapter 3, what verse? 4. Let's, let's go to 1 John chapter 3, verse 4. It says, Whosoever commits sin transgresses or breaks the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. So that's the definition of what sin is. Um, now we know what the law is. The law is the moral law of God, the commandments uh, of what God told us what to do and not to do. Um, and go to James, because we go, go to James anyway. Go to the book of James. James chapter 2. I was looking at that also. Verse 8. It says, if you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, and what is the royal law? It tells you right there, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You do well. Some people say you can't do the law. You can't live without transgressing the law. Well, he says here, you fulfill the royal law, which is the, which the only way to fulfill the law, royal law is the first two commandments that God gave. Remember he said, said uh, in 1 John 3, 4, it says, sin is the transgression of the law. Well, what, what does the law start with, the first two commandments of the law? Can anybody tell me? What to is love the your neighbor as yourself and love God with all your heart. No, so speak it a little bit slower so everybody can hear. Say to love your neighbor as yourself and to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Okay, the first right. two commandments that God gave you. If that, all the commandments are summed up in those two commandments. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, well, let's, let's just stay here. So to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, and to love your neighbor with, as yourself, it's impossible to do any sin if you do that. For instance, Todd, if I love you as I love myself, I'm not going to steal from you, right? right. I'm not going to murder you, of course, right? right. I'm not going uh, to do anything to hurt you because I love you. Right. So all the commandments are fulfilled in that. That is the royal law. That is the law of liberty. You, you said something? No, just... just grunting over there. I got something. Well, let me finish this. Please, and then I'll, I'll go on. If you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Okay? But, but it says, but, oh, it says, but here, if you have respect to persons, you commit sin. So that's exactly what I was just going to say. Okay. So it's very, but if ye, uh, you, but this is King James, so but if 
sin and are convinced of the law of transgressors. That's a transgressor. So okay, so let's talk about what is the respect. What is the respect to persons? Well, it tells you that right before if he's talking about it. Right, if you read the chapter, that chapter right before we like get to the scripture. In other words, right. if you treat people, if yeah. you treat people like people that are rich, and he says right. that somebody come into your assembly and he's yeah. got real nice clothing, he's got gold rings, and he's rich, yeah. and you tell him to sit respect up front, and you tell that poor man to sit in the back, right. you haven't respect the person, so you're not loving, you're not loving him. You're you're sinning. So sinning is the transgression law because that would break the law. It's just a real. Yeah, treat everybody equally, but if I'm running across some guys that are doing their deal and they're living in some bondage, I, I'm not participating with their stuff. And if I greet them, I'll participate with their evil doing, number one. They're, they're, they're not coming in the assembly. Right. That person don't come, okay? We're talking about brethren, okay? This is what he's talking about right here. My, my translation says, but if you show favoritism, you sin yeah. and are convicted by yeah, the Yeah, favoritism. That's a good word, yeah. Favoritism. But, but... Look at verse 10. For whosoever shall keep the whole law, shall keep the whole law, and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all of it. I, you know, you, you heard people use that scripture to say, well, you can't be saved by your righteousness, because if you break one point, you're guilty of it all. You can't be saved without it. Yeah, you can't be, <laughs> is what they'll say. Yeah. But, but, the, but that's wrong. Because, it, like, if you commit... Adultery, you, you did the same as a murderer, according to what the scripture says. Because if you're guilty at one point, you're guilty at all. But yet we are to fulfill the law. We are to walk in this righteousness. Wes, go ahead. Yeah, and the, and the law, obviously, like what you're saying, is the perfect law of liberty. And so it's not every law. So a lot of people like to take this passage to... Um, say, you know, if you go three miles over the speed limit, you've broken all the laws. When it really, it's specifically talking about the perfect law of liberty, which, like you said, if you love your neighbor as yourself, you know, is the fulfillment of the law, then that's why it uses specific examples as murder or theft. You know, if, if you steal from somebody, you're not loving them as yourself. If you murder them, you're not loving them as yourself. You know, if you do anything towards your neighbor that you wouldn't want done to you, you're not loving them. So therefore, you're guilty of the law of love. Not just any law, but the law of love is what James is pointing out. And I think that that needs to be really clear because they use this passage of scripture to justify sin or make it basically sabotage righteousness where nobody can walk, walk in righteousness because they're saying, hey, you're guilty of everything if you do anything wrong, which is, that's not what James is pointing out. He's specifically pointing out the law of love, and, uh, and, and, and that's really, you know, and that's why partiality, if you show favoritism, you don't want people to show favoritism towards you. Like, you know, you don't want somebody to stereotype you if you had certain clothes on. So you're not loving your brother as yourself. So that's why it's a sin. Let me, let me give you another scripture where Jesus addresses this in Luke chapter 10. Look, look at Luke chapter 10. Jill, is it possible to turn the lights on here? Yeah, Jill, get that last switch on this side. Touch the scripture. 
<laughs> what? Well, it says if you, in my translation, which is the New King James. <laughs> he loves his translation. Okay. Well, I switched translation every week, so yeah. uh, it says that if you stumble in one point, you're guilty of breaking all of it. That's right. Yeah. That's so it. you know what the key is? Don't you don't it. stumble in any of it. It's scriptural. It says God will keep you from stumbling. So it's a promise that if you're walking in, but it's a very you know if you if you stumble in an area. You get guilty for all of Scripture says in 1 John 2, 10, that he that loves his brethren, he that loves his brethren, has no occasion of stumbling in him. He doesn't stumble. Okay, look, look, look that Jesus was asked the same question. Look at Luke chapter 10 and verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted Jesus, tested him, saying, Master, what shall I do to go to heaven? What shall I do to inherit eternal life? That's a good question, Todd. I mean, ask the Lord. If you're in front of the Lord, that's a good question to ask the Lord because I want to make sure you get this. So what do I need to do? And this is the answer that Jesus said. And a lot of people say, well, you know, that's Jesus back then. It's not for today. Well, we just read the same thing in James. He says the same thing. He, the, the man said, uh, said uh, Jesus asked him the question back. He says, what is written in the law? Now, if you ask somebody that today, you say, what do I need to do to have eternal life? What are they going to tell you? Well, you need to come forward, accept the Lord, ask God to forgive you and all these stuff. They would never ask you what's written in the law. But Jesus did. He said, what's written in the law? The man says, says this. What do you read? He answers and says, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and, and your neighbor as yourself. And what did Jesus say? You've answered right. That was the right answer because that is the fulfillment of the law. Look at Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. Verse 10. Romans 13 and verse 8. It says, Oh, no man, let me know when you're there. Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, no man, anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou, here's the whole law thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness, that shall not covet. If there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in the saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You see, it's everywhere. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Like I said, Todd, I wouldn't be doing you wrong. If I love you, I'm not going to commit any of those against you. That's right, exactly. Therefore, love is what? The fulfilling of the law. You're called to fulfill the law. So when you walk in perfect love, you are not going to sin. If you're sin, you're not walking in perfect love. It goes right together. And you'll see it over and over again in Scripture. Well, love is the fulfillment of the law. But man will tell you, you can't fulfill the law. You can't do what the law said. When the Bible says that love is the fulfillment of the law, you will do it. And you must do it in order to enter the kingdom of God. What did Jesus say in John 14, 23? If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I and my Father will come and abode with you. But he that loveth me not does not have eternal life. So it's that love that, that prompts you to, to obedience. It said it's, it's, in Galatians 5, it says it's, love, it's, it's faith working through love. That faith is working <laughs> through love. Okay, so we, we talk, go ahead, Linda. Love covers a multitude. 
Yes, but 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 let's let's define let's, let's define let's love then, okay? Because because if you're going to define sin, you need to define love. Who can who can define love by the scriptures? Is it is it this feeling? Is it this emotion? No. Uh, what what is what is love according to what the scripture says? I mean, I mean, give me the give me the attributes of, of what love really is. Are we talking the fruits of the spirit? Are no, we talk what what love is. What is the attributes of love? Or you can read it in First uh, Corinthians. Would you read? If somebody says, I love you, and they don't have this. Starts in verse 4. Okay, go ahead. First Corinthians 13, 4. First Corinthians 13, 4. 13, 1. First, you want to go one? Okay. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I'm only like a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gifts of prophecy, can fathom all mysteries, all knowledge, and have all knowledge, and if I have the faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all my possessions to the poor and give over my body to hardship, that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. But it always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always preserves. Love never fails. But when... Um, where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. But we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what, uh, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away childhood behind me. For now we see only reflection as in a mirror. The word. Let me give you, and I think it's worth turning there for some, for some that are new here. Go, go to John 14. John chapter 14. Linda, I want you to go there. John 14. I want you to read this scripture carefully here in John 14. John 14. Jesus is speaking. He's talking about the Holy Spirit coming after his departure. And we're going to start at verse 19. John 14, 19. Jesus speaking, he says, Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, you shall live also. At that day you shall know that I am in, the, in my Father, and my Father in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments, okay, we're talking about the commandments of God, and keepeth them, he it is that loves me. There's your definition of love also. It says that in verse 15 also. He that loveth me shall be loved of my father. I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Now, if, if I'm not keeping the commandments of God, 
Am I loving God? No, well, what about if I just say I love God? What if I just feel like I love God? I hear people say that all the time, and, and they say they're sinning. They say they're not keeping God's commandments, do they? And I hear people even say about other people, well, he really loves the Lord. You ever hear that? Boy, that person, he really loves the Lord. Well, is he keeping the commandments of God? Oh, no, no, he's just a babe. <laughs> you know, really, babes don't have hypocrisy in their life. He also tells us to come as little children. Well, how do little children come? Oh, they love everybody. They come humbly. Very humbly. You know what little children do? When their daddy tells them something, they come. Little children have to listen to that, right? They have to be obedient. You see, that's what he's talking about, to, to look up to them. They can, the daddy can take them up in their arms or whatever and do whatever they want with that little child. It's coming humbly is what he's saying. He's not coming like, well, you've got you, you to beat them up because they're not living right. But listen, listen to what the rest of it says. Linda. It says, verse 22 says, Judas saith unto him, not, not Judas is scary. Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered and said this, if a man love me, what will he do? He will keep my words. But what if he's not keeping his words? Then he what? He don't love him, right? I mean, this is Jesus saying this. This isn't me saying this. This is Jesus saying this. And he says, and my father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Now, the Bible says um, that greater, 1 John 4, 4 says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Amen. Jesus come, will come and live in a person, but he's not going to come live in a person if the person's got sin in it. Jesus is not going to live with sin. He's holy. He's pure. That's why he says, purify your heart, you double-minded. You know, and... and and, and quit and believe that sin because you can't have Jesus and sin too. You can't drink of the cup of the Lord and the cup of the devil. Right. He's not going to dwell there. So he says, so then he will come and live in us. Now look at the next verse, verse 24. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. That's how you know if you don't love the Lord if you're not keeping his sayings. He says that again. And the word which he hears is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. Because I'm this close, I want to show you one more scripture. Look at John 15, verse, verse 14. Wait, what chapter? John chapter 15, verse 14. 15, 14. You are my friends. It's real close. John 14, 15. You are my friends if you what? If you don't keep his commandments, then you're his friend. Can't be, right? Can't even be his friend. And I hear people all the time saying, I love the Lord. Or he loves the Lord, and they're still sinning. Well, they got an understanding. Excuse me? They, you know, a lot of people will say, I got an understanding. Oh, yeah. I've heard oh, that. Guys, this is so clear in the Scripture. Isn't it clear? Yeah. I mean, but what are you going to do with it? You've got, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you're not the same person? Luke 639? Yeah, 636, whatever. Yeah. Um, any, any comments there, Wes? Uh, or you want to go ahead? Uh, yeah, in uh, Romans chapter 2, it goes with the same concept. Like James says, if you break one of the laws, you're a transgressor of all. And uh, in Romans chapter 2, obviously we have uh, Paul talking to the Jews. He's also talking to the Gentiles. Just to give you a kind of a, uh, what's being said here. He says the Jew is, uh, you know, if somebody does what's written in the law, yet not having the law, they become a law to themselves. Um, but then also in verse 26, if you look look there, it says, therefore, 
if an uncircumcised, meaning um, a Gentile, an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? And will not the physical uncircumcised, if he fulfills uh, the law, judge you who, even with your written code and circumcision, are transgressors of the law? It says, For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outwardly, outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter, whose uh, praise is not from men, but from God. So you see that he's praising the Gentiles who keep the law, who are doers of the law, and he is obviously uh, telling the, the Jews who are just saying a bunch of different things, could you... She says, you who say do not murder, do you murder? You who say do not steal, do you rob temples? So he's saying you're not actually a doer of law. You know, you're, you're like the Pharisees who say, like Matthew 23 says, who say who have an outward appearance of righteousness and who say, but do not do. And, uh, and, and so that's why they're disqualified. That's why Paul says in Romans chapter 9 uh, that if he doesn't buffet his body after he preaches, he would become disqualified. And disqualified could be what James is talking about. If you break one of the laws, which is really the law of love, then you're a transgressor of all, or like what Paul's saying, if I don't practice what I preach, if I'm, if I'm a hypocrite to my own message, then I become disqualified, and I'm like a breaker. Uh, it's like I've broken the royal law of love, therefore a, a true Christian won't do that. Faith works by love, and love works no ill. So um, that's really, I believe, uh, is the royal law of love, and, and Christians won't do that. Amen. Uh, Glenn, did you have something, brother? Uh, yeah, uh, we were talking about what's the attributes of love. Well, uh, where you were before, John uh, 15, was it? Yeah, John 15. Uh, um, greater love has no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. Mm -hmm. I, I, I see that as the ultimate like level of love. It's something I aim for, I pray about. I know I'm, I don't I don't reach that level, but I believe as I seek God with all my heart and lay down my life and my will, that I, I will come to that level. Um, so that's what I see as, as love, laying down, laying down my life for the brethren, laying my life, my, my interests, my, my uh, agenda for, for others, for the, for the ultimate good of, of other, for others. Um, and like Philippians says, I count not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things, this is Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So I, I cannot reach the perfect law of God in my own strength. I have to have Jesus. He must increase, but I must 
choice. And that's the way I see it. Like, um, to reach that, that perfect standard, you know, like Jesus said, um, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you should know why he's entered into the kingdom of heaven. So that's that's how I'd see we'll really help us to, to reach this, this perfect standard in God. Um, would you not agree? I believe. Well, Glenn, uh, uh, my, com- right. my comment would be on that is, is that you're, you're exactly right, that a person has to come to the place like in John, you were quoting from John 3.16, not John, but 1 John 3.16, uh, where it says, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Uh, and, and, and as far as Philippians, I think what, you, what you're reading there is that Paul was, he said he, was, he, he, he hadn't yet come to that place of the resurrection, but he was pressing on to that place of, of his finality. Uh, not that he had, not that he wasn't, uh, that he had come to a place where he, uh, where he didn't have any sin in his life. He didn't have any sin in his life. He, matter of fact, the word perfect, had not, he said not that I've already attained, already been made perfect. That word perfect there, if you look it up in the Greek, you'll find that it actually means uh, it, it means the consummation, the, the end of a road. For instance, Jesus said this. He said, tell that old fox, Herod, today I cast out devils, tomorrow I heal the sick, and the third day I perfected. That was that he was going to finish what he started. It was, that word perfect, perfect there doesn't mean a perfect as far as sinless. It means a perfect as far as he comes to the end of the life. And Paul said, I finished my course. I kept the faith, you know, and now it's laid up for me the crown of righteousness. Because if you go down a little bit further in, in that same chapter, you'll read, for as many of us as be perfect, let us be thus minded. That word perfect is a totally different Greek word that means sinless perfection, blameless. So we are to, sin has to stop in our life before we can have salvation. If sin has not stopped, we do not have salvation yet. That's why the scripture is very clear in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, that, that godly sorrow leads to repentance then repentance to salvation. Repentance means a total changing of mind, which you are your mind, and that's when you become that new creation, that all the old things are past, and all things become new at that point. Um, so that would be my, my take on that. Wesley, did you have something on that? I thought you came up. Maybe I covered it. I don't know. Yeah, I think that, I mean... We are workers together, like Second Corinthians chapter 6, we then as workers together with him also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. So the grace of God is what God shines on our heart through the message, because like Romans 10 says, we can't be saved unless we unless somebody preach it. So that grace is God's, without God shining his light upon our hearts, we couldn't save ourselves. It's that light that he does shine on our hearts that it is his gift, it's that, and that's the grace that he has given to us, like Ephesians chapter 2 talks about. Now, he took the first step in giving us the example of going to the cross, and now we're supposed to follow him, and there's no inability within us to do that. And that's in, in all creation, just like all creation testifies that there's a God. All creation also testifies that man has a free will. You know, if, if the alcoholic can stop his alcoholism, and he's not a Christian, and there's many people that do it, and they don't need the presence of God to do it, they just cut it off, cold turkey, they fist cigarettes, nicotine, one of the most addicting things that you possibly can do, 
and people do it outside of Christ. Now, if these heathens can do that, then what's holding us back from turning to God with all our heart? And it's not that us turning to God with all our heart is what saves us. It just puts us in a position like the prodigal son coming out of the pig pen for God to see, hey, this person's serious. This person needs business. And then out of that, we become the workers together with him. We get the ring. We get the robe. It's like an empowerment of being saved in the covenant. You know, you receive the spirit, like what God said in Acts chapter 2, you're going to receive the spirit, which is going to empower you. There is an empowerment. We're not saying that there isn't. But as far as your initial step to repent and turn towards God, you have not an excuse and you have no inability in yourself to do it, lest the world around you condemns you for doing things, you know, that are the most addictive things and turning from it. I want to ask a question to everybody right now that's listening. Is everybody clear that, that, you, that you do not have a sin nature? Is everybody clear on that? Or does somebody think, well, well you know, I've been taught about I have a sin nature and, and I, want, I want to understand that. Is everybody clear on that? Okay, that's number one point. Uh, so when, when you do that and you understand that, there's going to be some translations that actually will use the word sin nature. And that word is actually, it comes from the word flesh. It's interchangeable in a lot of translations. They'll use sin nature, they'll use flesh. Now, when you look up the word flesh in the Greek, you'll find a Greek word that is sort, S-A-R-X. And the sort means, when you look at the definition, it means the meat that covers the bone. It's just meat, okay? And it also, if you look at the word flesh and that word sort, you'll find that when Jesus was born of the flesh, it uses the same identical Greek word, sarks. When Jesus was tempted in all points in his flesh, he used the same Greek word, sarks, which means it was the meat. Because if you're going to use that as sin nature, if they're going to use that, they have to use it with Jesus too. And that would mean that Jesus was born with a sin nature too. And this is how ridiculous this is. So Jesus would have had to sin because he had a sin nature because they think they have to sin because they have a sin nature. You'll hear this doctrine preached a lot out there. But you see, you, you need to have a good understanding of that because you'll be confronted with that. And you need to know that you don't have a sin nature. Ezekiel 18, 20, you ever want to write that down? It, it says there, it says that the sins of the father are not passed on to the son, neither the sins of the son passed on to the father. You did not inherit a sin nature from Adam. You sin by choice. It's like, like, uh, like, like Wes said, you have a, you, you have a you're free moral agent, you you have a choice, you have a free will to sin or not to sin. Now, uh, I want you to turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4. What was that last scripture? Ezekiel 18.20. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4. An important scripture there. Um, I, I've never heard ever a rebuttal on that scripture that anybody can, can, can say against it. I, I've never heard a rebuttal. 1 Peter? Peter chapter 4 verse 1. This is an important scripture for you to remember. Uh, it, it, you know, because th this will help free up some people to understand. First Peter chapter four and verse one. It says this. this will be, you'll like this one, Glenn. You probably already know it, but this is an important scripture. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh has what? Ceased. What does ceased mean? Uh, means stopped. What did he stop? Could that have been Christ? 
I'm asking you the question, think about it. Could that have been speaking about Jesus? No. Because Christ never started sinning. So you can't, you can't stop something you never started, right? Who is that talking about? It's talking about you and I. You have to stop sinning. And not only that, but it says, verse 2 says that he no longer should live the rest of his time, the rest of his life in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. So you have the ability to live the rest of your life without ever committing another sin. We know that in 1, John, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has taken you, but such as is common to man. God's faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but will through the temptation provide a way of escape that you may be able to bear. All you have to do is take the way of escape. There's no excuse for sin. And this is the great deception that's in the world right now, is they thinking they, can, they, they can't help but sin, and they're going to do it, and they're thinking they're going to make it into heaven, and they're not. That is the mission that's on my heart, and I hope is on everybody's heart here, is to let people know you're not going to make it with that sin that that preacher told you you're going to make it with. It's not going to happen. Sin must stop in your life. You say, well, oh, you preach these hard videos, or you preach against this preacher saying this and all. Oh, I get all mad at you for this and that. Man, you got, you got, somebody's got to say something. These people are going to hell. They're going to hell and they're having a little church and they're dressing up all fine and going on a little in the pews and going on their missions and going out in the mission field thinking they'd save it. They're giving up twofold the child of hell. Well, that's like my daughter said once. She's inherited the sins of her father. Well, her father passed away when she was three years old. We were married four years. And it's like, so she kind of looks at me. And I said, But, but, but you see, the problem is, it's not you. It's not her father. It's her choice. She has to make the choice. It's not because of, she's sinning because of what you did or what somebody else did. She has the choice to, make, to, to, to sin or not to sin. You have the choice to sin or not to sin. And that's what mankind will tell you. Today's religion will tell you you really don't have the choice. Because you're born with a sin nature. Listen to me. If you're born with a sin nature, that child is born, and that child is born with that sin nature, and that child dies, what would happen to him? They would go to hell. That little baby would go to hell. You know that's why the Catholic religion baptizes or christens little babies? It's so that they don't go to hell. Because that would, that would be the whole case. They would go to hell. But, but, so that's not the way it is. Do you think, uh, I, could have, I heard somewhere that Universally, we have a we've had too much of a casual approach to God. Yeah. We're too casual about God. Absolutely, right? Glenn. Absolutely. That God is a holy God. That we're we're going to give an account to, to God. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think it's partially what is the root of the problem at, <laughs> worldwide. The church. There's no. We're too casual about God. It's like it's like it's like Glenn, like you think Proverbs sixteen six says, "By the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil." If you don't have any fear of God, you're not going to depart from evil. You're going to think, well, well, fear doesn't mean be fear; it means just to reverence God. 
That's not, that's not true. David said, I tremble at his word. I'm afraid when I read his word. The scripture says that, that uh, fear him not who is able to kill the body, but fear him after he has killed the body, has power to cast him into hell. What kind of reverence is that? That's a fear of God that will cause you to depart from evil. It'll cause you like, man, I don't want to go to hell. You know, and sometimes I'll, I'll pray for people and I'll say, God, give them a dream of hell. Scare the hell out of them so that they will, will stop sinning. Work your own salvation. <laughs> you like it, I'm glad. <laughs> well, I was, I was watching uh, one of these pastors that's going around and go all over there. Everybody knows that I can say anything. But, so he was talk, they were doing an interview, and he was talking to somebody, and they, he was saying, I just want to stay positive. And, I mean, this is all positive stuff for reading, but the truth is, if somebody's not living in the truth, you may say something that might upset them. That's right. And that's okay. Yeah. Maybe they need to hear the truth. Yeah. You know, because I know the way I was living, I, I wasn't living in the truth, man. And I was going to hell. All of us. That's right. You know, and I needed somebody to tell me the truth. And I, I guess when you look at it, they, they don't, they don't want to upset somebody. I mean, that's, oh, well, that upset you. You know, I don't, I don't want to go to hell. I want somebody to tell me the truth so I can make some changes in my life and get pointed in the right direction. Amen. You know? Amen. And that was, it was just, when I heard him say that, it was like, man. Who cares if it upsets you? Like, that, you know, it doesn't matter. Well, it says, too, behold the goodness and severity of God. And now, so many people only want to see or preach or hear the goodness. They don't want to do this. Right. Here, here you go, Todd. Here's your scripture for you. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. It says this. For the time will come. It's here. Paul wrote this 2,000 years ago. He said, the time will come when they will not endure sound teaching. They won't endure this kind of teaching, man. They're not going to listen to this. But after their own desire shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. In other words, wanting to hear what they want to hear. Make me feel good. Make me feel like I'm going to heaven. Tell me that, tell me that I'm okay. You see? And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall turn unto fables. And that's where the word gets That's right. And, uh, and that's one thing I told him. I was like, man, I was like, you have to. You know? And I was like, if, if you really do that and you you preach what the word is, everybody should feel not necessarily offended, but, you know, like you just got called out at something. You know, because if, if I'm just sitting here, and that's what I was telling him, if I'm sitting here and I'm comfortable the whole time, reading everything out the Bible, if I'm comfortable, something ain't right. You're not preaching the right word to me. Because, yeah. because you think about a, a father, you know, we're talking about the relationship and love with God. You know, you're, God, you and God, it's, it's y'all's relationship. But you talk about fear, like if you're with your wife or something, you're going to respect what she says and you're going to do that. And, and there's a healthy fear in that. But if you realize like what God really is, he's, he's, he's your provider, he's your protector, he's your comforter. Your guidance, you know, and, and you know, I, I had to think about that a while back. You know, what what the fear was, and if you really think about what God's capable of, which is yeah, amazing, really, <laughs> you know? good. exactly, and yeah, amen, amen. What was that last scripture you said? Hmm? Second Timothy, what? Four three. 
Oh, yeah, 2 Timothy chapter, yeah, thank you, 4, 3, and 4. Somebody came up wanted to say something? Okay. All right. So, James. James. Go ahead. Uh, the Bible says, um, uh, I come from that uh, confess, repent, sin cycle for years. Yeah. And it's still taken a while to sort of get that out of the system. Because we're taught all our life, you know, like the Lord is forgiving in that. Um, but the thing is, that the God's, God is not obligated to keep, uh, to uh, to be to be merciful to us, you know. Proof text of that is, um, my spirit will not always strive with men, and that He will be merciful to whom He will be merciful. Amen. So I find that frightens me, frightens me out of sin. <laughs> it should, yeah, brother. Yeah. Okay, let, y'all want to go back to James? Anybody have something else on their heart before we go? All right, let's go back to James. Chapter 2. So he says, uh, and, and I just want to share this with you. Uh, Wes had said something about going over two miles an hour over the speed limit compared to, you know, sins of breaking the covenant, the commandments of God. Some people want to say, and they'll use this scripture to say, well, sin is sin. You ever heard that? Yeah. You know, if you do, if you go two miles an hour over the speed limit or you go murder somebody, it's the same thing. Doesn't that sound kind of ridiculous, though? Okay. <laughs> You know, <laughs> but that's what some people say. But I want you to turn. To, I want you to hold your place in James chapter two, and I want you to turn with me to John chapter nineteen. So we didn't get there from like like obey the law of the land, like in the Bible, say obey the law. Yeah, and you should. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. I'm just saying it, it's it's not it's not the same. Sin, all sin is not the same. James nine, John nineteen. I want to show you something here. Um, and um, greater sin. John 19 and verse, uh, verse 10. John 19 and 10. Mm-hmm. Then saith Pilate unto him, to Jesus, Speakest thou not unto me, knowest thou not that I have power to crucify you and have power to release you? And Jesus said, You have no power at all against me except it were given from above. Therefore, he that delivered me unto you hath the greater sin. You see, there's difference in sin. Okay? So, going back over here to James 2, back to James 2. And also, if you go to, go ahead. But sin, okay, so there is greater and lesser sin, but really, in reality, it's all sin, and it separates you from God. die in that state of heaven, whether it's sin or, or unto death or not unto death, it's still sin. Sin, it's sin, wait, 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 wait. Sins unto death, you cannot have eternal life. If you're going over the speed limit two, by two miles an hour and you die in that and you're going over two miles an hour, that's not a sin unto death. In other words, that will not send you to hell. Now, if God speaks to you and tells you something and you, didn't, you don't obey it, that's a lot different. But you see, that, that's why he lists those, those, those scriptures in there that says, well, these these people should not inherit the kingdom of God in First in, in Corinthians ten nine. I mean six nine. You know Ephesians five, uh, uh, Gal- uh, Galatians five nineteen, uh, Revelation twenty one 
uh, seven. Those are all. There's a list there of each one that these are sins that are unto death. And he lists those. He says the fornicators, adulterers, sorcerers, effeminate. And he goes through that list. These are sins unto death. All right, I got a question. Speeding above the speed limit—that's man's law. That's not God's law. But we still are. To, but but we still to keep man's law. Yeah. Still, you still are to do that. But here, but unless God's law changes that. For instance, for instance, say you, you, you your wife's pregnant and you got to get her to the hospital and the speed limit's thirty. But if you don't get there, you're gonna you're gonna lose it. So you're gonna go over the speed limit to get her there. But I okay? wasn't really well. Maybe I said it, but I wasn't really talking. I was talking this. Okay, so sin's not on the death when you're speeding versus committing adultery. But if I'm lying. Or I'm committing adultery, it's sin. It's the same thing. It's going to separate me from God. That's I'm right. going to get correct. You know. That's right. Because he said, "Liars should not inherit the kingdom of God." Then yeah. adultery should not inherit the kingdom of God. Right, but I'm saying the greater sin, even though that greater sin is going to be the adultery versus lying. It's right. On that sin. level, you're exactly it's right. So sin is going to separate you. That's from right. God. It's still going to separate. It's another, it is in here. Yeah, Claire. Well, um, which one, one of those verses that you just said? Um, says that these are sins unto death. Are any of those clarifying? Because we see that they're listing the sins, but does it link it? Yeah, at the end of that, it's the kingdom of God. I know, but yeah. where it says these are sins unto death. Unto death means that, it, that, you, yeah. that you will not hit. Death is eternal damnation. That's so what he's talking about. Or any, do, do any of those scriptures that you just quoted, or is it somewhere where it says, that there's sins unto death. Yes, because it says that if you do these things, you shall not inherit eternal life. Or if you do these things, you shall go to the lake of fire. That's death. I'm asking if it says specifically, these are the sins that lead you unto death. No. It says when you're using God, your heart will be judged. God will judge your heart. That's where, that's where how deep you are in your relationship with God comes into play. Because if, if you just became saved and you just got in the Word and you, and, and you gave, you knew enough of what you would do to get saved and you died tomorrow correct me if I'm wrong I almost and, and we, we may not know he may not judge you as harshly but the, the the word says with knowledge you know once you hear you can't unhear you know yeah. so if I know something's wrong and I'm still doing it that's right. you know I, I feel like that's the, the unforgivable you know if, if God said and it, and it could be something small like if he God that knows to do good, it doesn't do it sins. Yeah, if, if he's sitting here working on it, quick person, quick, and he's putting that on my heart, and I'm direct, that's me directly disobeying. But you know what, brother? If if the scripture says in Mark chapter seven, what comes out of the mouth is what is what defiles him. It's not what goes in the mouth, but that which comes out. He says all that's in the heart, the fornications, evil thoughts, all these things are 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 coming from the heart. So if I got trash. Cursing coming out of my mouth. If I've got you know things that, that in my life that have come out, it's not those are just <laughs> manifestations of the real problem. The real problem is my heart's not right with God. If my heart's not right with God, I can't go to heaven. Okay, so that's the thing. So so even even as a newborn babe, the Bible says if you read First Peter chapter two verse one, it says that newborn babes are without hypocrisy. They're without guile. You're not in Christ, just like we read in John 14. You're not in Christ until you keep the commandments of God. So however long that real repentance takes, whether it takes a day or whether it takes a month, you don't have the assurance of salvation until sin has ceased in your life. It must stop. So 
The Bible says in, John, in, in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. That's why it says the sin under death. So, so that word death there means eternal damnation in hell. So when it says if you do these things, you, do not have, you will not have eternal life. If you do these things, you shall burn in a lake of fire. That's, what, that's the same thing as saying death. It's the same thing. Ben? And then it says that if you come to the knowledge and then you still go back and do it, there remains no more sacrifice for your sin. That's, that's correct. a very important scripture in Hebrews. That if you know better and you're still doing it and you're still going out, there remains If no we more sin willfully after we come to the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for our sin. Hebrews 10, 26 and 27. And also Hebrews 6. Wes, you had something? I saw Wes was up there. Did you want to say something? No, I'm good now. Okay. Glenn, did you have something real quick? Or anything? If not, we're going to go forward. Uh, I just want to add to what you're saying. In Romans 1, it lists a whole lot of... Yeah, another list, yeah. Sin you're right. People that are worthy of all these things... That uh, these they do that are worthy unto death, and you wouldn't think like Romans chapter one thirty one that being without understanding is something that makes someone worthy of death. But without understanding, basically, mean, basically means that you're stupid. <laughs> stupid, yeah. I think. You're a reprobate mind. Yeah. Without <laughs> natural. It's not natural reflection. I'm not simple. Yeah. Stupid, right? <laughs> proud. Proud. That's what being proud. That's what haters of God. They're worthy of death. It's uh, pretty well sums it up, doesn't it? Yeah, man. Well, let's go ahead. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point, Glenn. In uh, verse 32, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who do such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who, who practice or do them, who do that. So they're, they're, they're not only are they uh, doing them themselves, they're approving of those who are doing them. And, and, and that's what, you know, they're, they're, they're spiritually dying. They're no longer in the kingdom of God at that point. Now, if they were to die in that state, like what Don's saying, they would be eternally damned. Um, you know, but obviously we're, as long as you're, a person's alive, you're not dead physically, you're not dead, you know. And we're not to seal people's fate, you know, at, at, at that, um, unless we know that they're just unrepentant and not willing to yield to reason um, at, at, that, at that, you know. But somebody have, cannot be living in a sin-confess cycle, and that's what we continue to repeat. Just like, you know, we wouldn't want somebody to be in a marriage to us, that would be having eyes for other people, um, you know, committing adultery on us. God's a person. We can't do the same for him. And uh, and we have to see it as such. It doesn't make sense to us to be connected to somebody. It's not, it doesn't make sense for us to do that to God. Wes, explain to the group what, what that sin-repent cycle is. What, what are you talking about there? <laughs> Well, it's really sin-confess cycle, and it would just be like thinking that um, you can come to God and say, hey, please forgive me, uh, I did this again, please forgive me. And so a lot of people that just think that, um, you know, some people just think they're forgiven of their sins, and they don't even need to confess it. They just think that your, your past, present, and future sins are already forgiven. 
But if you're living in this cycle of thinking that you can just continue to, uh, you know, sin against God with the, with the, the list that we're talking about, sins unto death, which just really when you, when you translate that, you're saying sins that disqualify you from the kingdom. Because if you're not, if the Bible specifically says it's, you're not going to enter into the kingdom, it means if you're not in the kingdom, you die. Or if you're not in the kingdom and, yeah, and, and for something happens, you're not in the kingdom. You're not in the kingdom now. You're not in the kingdom then. And, and that's why one passage defines it as that you'll have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. God's in heaven. Kingdom of Christ is here and now. You're not going to inherit either or. You're, if you don't step into the kingdom now, you're not stepping into the kingdom later. Period. And, the, and, that, and that's why it's unto death or you're not spiritually alive. You can only be made alive when you depart from these things, at least the ones that you know to be wrong. Hopefully that makes sense. So, so, what, but, so, what, you're saying, so what you're saying, Wes, for a person that say, uh, say they believe they started, but they, they keep going back, losing their temper, or filthy language coming out of their mouth, whatever it might be, and then they're asking God to forgive them, but then three months later, whatever that time is, they're doing it again. And then they ask God to forgive them and say, God, I'm sorry, but then they, and then they do this again. And it keeps going back and forth. Are they ever really saved? Well, so, no, because it, that's just a worldly sorrow. So um, they're just like anybody, if they committed adultery on you, or stole from you, and they kept coming to you and saying, you know, and then stealing from you the next day, eventually you would be like, is this person really truly repentant, or are they just, you know, uh, are, are they just coming to me and playing games with me, and that's kind of like how God sees it, and that's why 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, that Don, you know, quoted from, it says, Repent, godly sorrow leads to repentance unto salvation, not to be repented of. So you don't need to repent over something you've already repented for, because if you truly repented, you turn from it completely. And so it's so no longer. Could I make yeah. a, Could I make an example, uh, Wes, and, and say that uh, say you you have a wife or a husband that's uh, being unfaithful to you? Uh, would that be the same comparison? Because God says you adulterers and adulterers when you break into His commands. So if you had a mate that you were married to, and that mate would go out and commit adultery, and they'd come back to you, and they said, look, man, I'm really, really sorry that I did this. You know, and, and you're thinking, well, they, they, they may be sorry, but then three months later, they come back and they do it again. And they say, man, I'm really, really sorry for that. And then three or four months, they come back later and do it again. And this goes on maybe for 20 years or 10 years. Would they ever really, would you stay with that person? that keeps doing that and come back to you and confessing it again and confessing it again, wouldn't you think, look, your life's got to change. If your life doesn't change, you're done. And that's what Ben was saying where he says that, that, that uh, if we sin willfully, because that is willful sin, you know, whether it's, whether it's curt, where the filthy language is coming out of your mouth, whether you're go, doing something, looking at pornography on the, on the website or whatever you're doing, that's willful sin. And that's when you get into a place where you're gonna, you can come to a point where there's no more sacrifice for your sin, where you can't repent, where you seared your conscience with a hot iron, and it's very, very dangerous. And also, and, and I want to say, Tebrus, it says that, you know, um, if you're in that in the state and keep doing that, it's like you're crucifying Christ, Christ the fresh, fresh over and over again. 
for open shame. Very, very dangerous condition. You may not, you may not be able to come back because you're reaching that point. That's why it's supposed to scare you to death that you have the fear of God in you and you depart from evil. He, remember what he says? He says, uh, whoever covers his sin will not be shown mercy, Proverbs 28, 13. But whoever confesses and forsakes his sin, that's